Hi, it's Tim Hagen from Progress Coaching, and welcome to another episode for the Coaching Conversations podcast. Now, we are on Stitcher, we are on iTunes, and multiple different channels. Please check us out. Now, one of the things that you'll get out of our podcast episodes is a lot of content, a lot of strategy. It's not fluff, it's not concept. Yet we really want you to engage with the content and let us know your feedback. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. If there's topics you'd love to have us address, we would love to share them with you. Let us know your impact and let us know your feedback. I think this pandemic crisis has really created an opportunity of awareness at so many levels. Now, I'm going to put the human side, the human factor aside just for a few minutes I'm not unaware of people's fears or, you know, their need for sensitivity and empathy and caring. And those are really, really important things. When I think about business, and I really say this on the other hand, there are some incredible companies with employees doing incredible things. There are also organizations who have employees saying, I can't believe I was furloughed. I can't believe they're doing this to me. And it's an emotional reaction. And I read an article, it was so interesting, and it was really about the pending battle between landlords and employees. And a friend of mine started talking about, well, yeah, the landlords have to be forgiving. And I said, wait a minute. I said, why do they have to be forgiving? Well, you know, how can you expect people to pay their bills when all this stuff's going on? I said, wait a minute. Do you know what you're asking from a landlord? He said, what, what do you mean? I go, you're asking for a personal loan. So that begs the question, do landlords and tenants have a personal relationship? Typically, they do not. Probably 99.9% of the time, they do not. And the same theory goes towards the workplace. So I had a conversation with an employee who was furloughed. And he was complaining to me that it was, it felt very personal and he felt like it was not done very professionally, which might be true. And I said, well, what's happened to the company? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, what's happened to the company? Well, I don't know. And I go, wait a minute. I said, come on, Mike, what's happened to the company? He said, well, we've lost some business, you know, but not everything. Now, I sound like I'm making fun of a friend. What I'm illustrating is his choice to not be aware. And I said, how is the business doing? He said, well, you know, it's gotten them hit pretty hard, but it's, you know, they didn't lose everything, which is kind of a manic reaction to reality. I said, are you the only one who was furloughed? He said, no. I said, okay. I said, why did they think, you know, they furloughed you? He said, well, I don't know. I just, I was there for, and he starts giving me his reason of why he shouldn't have been furloughed because he had been with the company for so long. And I said, hold on a second. I said, I don't mean to be insensitive. These are tough times. I said, my own business was hit. I immediately started communicating to people. Here's what's going on. I want you to cover yourself. I want you to, I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to be candid with you. But if the numbers don't add up, it's not personal. And it's a tough message to send. And he said, 
well, I just feel like, you know, I shouldn't have been their first choice. I said, how do you know you were the first choice? Well, I don't. I just, so again, I sound like I'm being condescending and I'm making fun of uh, a friend. And what I was trying to get him to see is you're in charge of your life. That company's numbers aren't adding up. They cannot write you a check for $100 if there's only $50 in the account. They cannot run payroll of $100,000 if $80,000 are coming in. As condescending and as cliche as that sounds, that's what he was illustrating. His choice not to look at those issues. So it begs the question, how do we get people to see that? So why are some people now all of a sudden working their butts off? See, I think we've made a huge, huge fundamental mistake in the workplace. Huge. And I know people will argue what I'm about to say. We spend so much time on generational understanding of how Gen Y likes to work and how millennials like to work. And here's how you work with this generation. I think we need to spend equal, if not more time teaching them how business works. Money comes in, expenses go out. Hopefully we have a profit as dumb as that sounds. How often do employees really ask about that? Most of the time, employees are thinking, what? Unemployment's low. I've got choices. I'm going to go take care of me. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But you can't, on the other hand, then criticize your employer when unemployment starts to go sky high because of a pandemic crisis. Now it's this personal thing. So I said to my friend, I said, I'm going to ask you a really wild question. If another job had come along before all this occurred for $50,000 more a year, would you consider it? He said, well, sure. And I smiled at him. He said, yeah, I, I get it. I said, you want loyalty, but boy, your loyalty folded like an old chair in a matter of one question. And we both started laughing. And I said, let's focus on the positive things. And so I have another friend who is a human resource leader and really a talented human resource leader and went through uh, a challenging situation and is out looking for employment. And she and I were talking and she said, do you have any ideas? And I said, write a positive article. She has over 70 people who have commented on her article on LinkedIn. It was positive about her employer, talked about how much she missed the people all the years that she was there and people are coming out of the woodwork to help her. Now, should she be jaded? Should she be upset? You know, maybe that's her choice, but it goes back to the foundation of employee responsibility. So I'm going to ask a question and I want you to think about it. And I think this question will really give you a good indication of where your organization's at. Think about a scale. Let's say a scale of one to eight. Eight people come in passionate, invigorated, loving their job, are totally focused on the bottom line of the organization. On the other end of the scale, you have a number one. People come in just to do their job and go home. Where would your people be? Now, let's be blunt and candid. Let's think about the organization statistics that are out there. 
Think about the Gallup organization. The Gallup organization reports what? That what is it, almost 29% are actively disengaged? Three out of 10 employees are actually negative, actively disengaged. And I think it's like what, under 20% people are professionally really fully engaged? So you have a wide percentage of people who are not really as engaged as they could be. I think we've spent so much time catering, so much time thinking about how do we help them? And again, there's value in that. I'm not dismissing that stuff. Yet, I asked my friend one simple question. If another company had come and offered you more money, would you have considered? He said, well, sure. Yet he's expecting the same loyalty when, by the way, his employer really can't pay him because they've gotten really crushed by this crisis. It's not personal, it's business. And those are tough messages to send. Yet, I think we need to hit a reset button. I think we need to do the following. Teach employees corporate fiscal responsibility. Let me give you another example. Think about corporate fiscal responsibility. And I've read so many different statistics. Do you know how many salespeople actually will falsify their mileage reports? just to get more money on their car? Do you know how many people will come to work and out of eight hours put in maybe two hours of actual decent work? Yet they got paid for six hours. They didn't work. In my estimation, maybe as a business owner, maybe a little bit jaded, I think that's theft. Number two, I think when we onboard people, we have to define the ideal employee, the employee maven, the employee superstar. I think we have to absolutely, absolutely position them to understand. Here's our expectations of what we want from our employees. And it's a fair trade. Now, let's be blunt. There's companies out there doing that. I don't mean to be cynical that the whole industry is decimated with negative people. I'm not suggesting that. Yet, workplace engagement studies do show our employees are not as engaged. We do have people in our organization that are just there to do a job. And I don't care what anybody says. What's about to change? And I'm going to quote Jonathan Reynolds, the CEO of Titus Talent Strategies, made one of the greatest points I thought about during this crisis. He said, here's what's going to change. We have A players. We got to figure out if our A players are happy. We got to keep them. And oh, by the way, other companies sadly are going to have to furlough or get rid of their A players because they can't pay them. They've been crushed. How do organizations fight for those A players? And oh, by the way, here comes the news. What C players can we get rid of to plug in some A players? And I said, really? And he said, yes. What's about to change? Unemployment's going to go higher. That just means recruiting's going to become more fierce. The battle for talent, retention, and recruiting's going to become more fierce. So I go back to what we need to do as organizations. We need to educate employees on fiscal responsibility. Number two, we need to onboard them and say, here is the expectation. Not the employee handbook solely. Here's an expectation. Here's our employee maven. Here is what we look for. And you have to be able to describe that in great deal. 
detail, down to communication, attitude, conflict resolution, whatever it might be. And third, have constant education of where the organization is at. So often, and I'll give you another great example, we tend to work in these, I'm going to use the term silos, but I would even call them tunnels, is you can work in a tunnel and you think about the battle that's out in the marketplace. And I was talking to someone locally and he was going through a closing on uh, a piece of property. And he kept saying to me, he said, you know, it's just so interesting. Every time I would ask this company, this bank, if um, when we're going to do the closing, they kept pushing me off. And I said, oh, that's interesting. He said, yeah. He said, it's just really, you know, at times upsetting. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you know, it's the second time they've done that. And I said, oh, that's interesting. So during this crisis, we work with a bank called Commerce State Bank. Smaller bank, very nimble, very quick, very reactive to their customer needs. And we had a need during this crisis. We didn't borrow money or anything, but we did some work with them. We got a response and paperwork done within 24 hours. Found out there was over 170 some applications. So it begs the question. When I shared this with my friend, he goes, wow, they were that quick. So here's the funny thing. I asked him, I said, do me a favor, find out, you know, why was the bank, why was the bank backed up and they kept delaying your closing? Well, he found out that some of the people doing the closing, the underwriters and people doing the paperwork were backed up. And I said to him, I said, do me a favor. I said, drive by. He said, what? I said, do you know where the underwriters are? They're in the main branch, right? He said, yeah. I said, drive by. Are the lights on or off? And drive by at six o'clock. Calls me up and goes, man, you're right. I said, are they working eight to five? He said, yeah. I said, my bank doesn't. My bank constantly gets back to me. I've gotten emails on the weekends. I've gotten even a text message from my banker at night. He said, are you kidding? So when business is great, we're giving off a brand. We're giving off a message. When business has been hit, now we start to become a little bit more choosy. Employers are going to have that same right with employees. We need to educate our employees on fiscal responsibility, attitude responsibility, communication expectations, professional and thoughtful handling of conflict, no questions asked. We have spent so much time creating cultures and atmospheres and putting in ping pong tables and foosball tables and having open concepts. And those are important things. Yet employees have to understand one thing. What they produce affects the top line and the bottom line. Share your thoughts. Thank you for listening to another episode of Coaching Conversations by Tim Hagen and Progress Coaching. Now, our company is always coming out with new and innovative solutions to help leaders coach their employees. And recently, we just created a new service called coach to you where leaders can pick and choose topics and assign 7 to 21-day programs for employees to learn and, more importantly, apply actions and then reflect and share what they're going to do going forward as a result of the learning. It's called coach to you. We're literally bringing coaching to your employees. If you're intrigued, we'll have a link in each one of our episodes where you can get more information. And again, thank you so much for listening to another episode.